Good evening and welcome to Adventures in Lollygagging. Once again, I am Aaron, your Doom Master. And tonight we are going to uh, have our finale of our Hyborian Tales. Thank you everybody who's joined us either here or on YouTube for this fun campaign. Uh, but tonight I believe we're going to see what ultimately happens to these adventurers, at least in this campaign. So... <laughs> Possibly, possibly, Jeff, you could be right. Uh, Ashley, uh, briefly introduce your character for us. I am playing Aurelia. She is our Bostonian Ranger. Excellent. And Stephen? I am playing Sobek Keeper. I am a sorcerer of the god Set. Well, one of his many variations. And Jeff? I am Zamil Azad, and I am a Zomalin assassin. Long? Sir Drusus Jordan here. I'm a noble warrior from Corinthia. And Melissa. I am Roya Nadi. I'm a shaman from Quran. Thank you. So let's go over a quick recap of how it is that we managed to find ourselves in the bottom of a well in the monastery of Lang in the dreamlands of mankind. So our party started out in a much more humble setting in the back alleys and back streets of Zamora. They met and patronized with Grandmother Wisp as they were attempting to find a way to get into the temple of Setanepre. Sir Drusus Jolden fought Chizimdi to get an invitation in. It was the first time that Sobek Kepper was captured and tortured, one of many of his opportunities to be captured and tortured throughout this campaign. However, the party came together. They managed to not only succeed in their mission, they also tweaked the god Zehud and stole from him and slaughtered Setanepre, priestess of Set. They returned to Grandmother Wisp and she had a moment with Zamir and admitted that she was actually the goddess Erzuli. And that's her ex-love, Anansi, now known as Zehud, and she came up into these lands long ago. She blessed Zamir with immortality and told him to adventure wide and far and return to her, but that they should leave Zamora and all lands adjacent to it for a time, because both the followers of Set and the followers of Zehud wanted them dead. And so the party... Instead of choosing to go to Corinthia or the Bassonian marches, decided to travel to far east Kitai, a land that hates foreigners, distrusts everyone not of Kitai, and none of them spoke the language. But they got there, and they managed to find someone to be a factor for them, a manager of a tea house, and he found a job for them, a job to save a merchant's daughter. But while they were while this was all setting up, they were also carousing and relaxing and working. And they also got another contract, or at least another obligation to save a far-off village, Bor Andor, from horrible barbarian raiders who were trying to destroy it. But first comes first the paying job. So they headed off to the swamp of the dead to find the merchant's daughter, Lu Taijun, and deal with 
the death of Midnight Shining, a cursed and hell-bound sorcerer who was attempting to fight his way back into the land of the living. They bargained with the ferryman, Hei-bai, Wu-chong, and sick passage across the Swamp of the Dead, meeting the self-exiled goddess, the Morgan, the goddess of death, the goddess of war, the goddess of prophecy from the Bosonian marches in the Pickland, and her paramour, and warrior protector, uh, Wuxer Jiang, the Blackheart. They were given information and they were set on their way and they found themselves before this edifice extruded from the bowels of hell where the ritual to strip Lu Taijun of her soul was being enacted. Zamir and Sobek stealthily climbed up into the rafters to try to get close enough to dis- to dis- able the ritual and save the girl while Aurelia, Roya and Sir Drusus Jolden tried to deal with the death of Midnight Shining. Sir Jolden charging into the attack, fierce blow after blow and then Aurelia's bow shot with a magical arrow stripped the death of Midnight Shining of his soul as Sobek completed the ritual to cancel out the extrusion of hell and free the merchant's daughter. They started to make their way out of the swamp of the dead, fighting against all sorts of creatures, the drowned dead and the like, the very nature of the swamp draining at their souls. But they found an exit through an old temple to a once priestess of Set Sobek. They fought through and dealt with the Gorgon, Sathrino, and Roya was bound to this goddess or this fallen demon, perhaps through the mark on her hand. But they made it out of the Swamp of the Dead and they returned as great heroes to Kitai. They were feasted in the tea house. The merchant and his daughter reunited. A great family heirloom, a bow of incredible power presented to Aurelia. Gold and jade given to them all, and Sir Drusus Jolden asked for and received permission to marry the merchant's daughter, vowing that he would return when he had a kingdom to offer her. The party, feeling very good about themselves, and rightfully so, for this was a mission that Virtually no one else could have succeeded. No one travels to the Swamp of the Dead. All thought that these foreigners would perish, but they returned. Emboldened with their success, they headed to the village of Bor Andor. They found the woman that had begged them for their help near death, and she told them of the horrors inflicted upon her village, of the undead wolves, of the ogres, of the half-ogre war chief, of his desire to take the temple complex, and of the defenses of the temple, two great gates locking them out, but a secret way in. Zamir, bordering on divine stealthly skills, manages to get the entire party west around the village past all of the patrols and up near the gate where they see an ogre and another group of these bandits trying to force down this great western door. 
Aurelius sneaks up onto the cliffside like a cat and slays the ogre with a single arrow and then leaps defiantly or slash falls down the cliffside. But the horn is sounded as the rest of the guards are killed and everyone knows that they are coming. The rest of the army of this bandit chieftain are coming and they were able to sneak through the secret passage, coil through the passageways and come out into the temple complex where all of the women, children, elderly and infirmed are at this temple begging for these acolytes who should have been trained enough to call up the great defender of the village to stop these bandits, but were not. And then the possible hero of the tale, Sobek, steps forward, having been cajoled and convinced by his friends to undertake the right of opening the ritual and commanding the protector of the village to stop the bandit raids. And he calls forth this great ifrit, this fiery red creature of titanic proportions, and it bellows down at them. Fire and brimstone coats the air, and it simply says, free me for great power. Or, and after it says or, no other words were necessary because Sobek said, absolutely. Consider yourself freed. And great power was given to Sobek. Spells and the ability to become immortal through rituals. But the Afrit, the destroyer of Kitai, the demon who had sworn millennia ago to wipe the entire country from the face of the earth, was free. He destroyed the temple. He destroyed the gates. He let the bandits in. And the, 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 the villagers cried out in horror as the foreign devils showed their true faces. Escaping into the tunnels, the villagers fled for Katai. Sobek stood his ground as the village, as the chieftain of the bandits came in, demanding to know what had happened to the Afrit. Sobek uh, was going to negotiate, but he was taken prisoner uh, to be escorted away to be questioned. Zamir stayed behind as the rest of the group made their ways into the tunnels, and once again, showing incredible stealth, snuck up, slayed the ogre who was guarding Sobek, and freed him, proving himself to be Sobek's greatest servant. Then Sobek took on the form of a heron and flew away as Zamir made his way into the tunnels. For three days, the party made their way through tunnels as deadfalls and trips were activated by the villagers to slow them. They came out onto the plains north um, of the village mountains uh, and saw a great cloud of crows uh, flowing in a circle above a seated man. They made their way towards him. Sobek also flew in at this point and made their way towards the form of Wushirjong, the Blackheart, kneeling under this great cloud of crows. He showed them visions of what it what it was happening in the city in Katai. What had happened to the man who owned the tea house, who had opened up his home to them? The fact that Sir Jesus Jolton's fiance, in shame um, for the dishonor uh, of her name and her family, shaved her head, put crushed glass in her sandals, and walked to a convent. He showed them all of these things, but he said that the Morrigan understood that some decisions made in the heat of the moment did not indicate the true character and nature of a group. 
And so they were given an opportunity. Lay down the physical connections between you and Kitai, and all memory of you specifically would be wiped from the people of Kitai by the Morrigan's magic. It would simply be known that foreigners had released the Afrit. All you had to do was put down the bow and put down the marriage contract. And Aurelia immediately put down the bow. And Sir Drusus Jolden said, no, I'm keeping the contract. And the Blackheart said, as you wish. And he said that he he took up the bow and wished them well. He said that they would be tracked by bounty killers from Kitai, a small force accompanying an individual called the Dragon and one of the chief exorcists of the Celestial Court uh, and his army of ghosts would be tracking them. And he bade them to run, and run they did running for the mountains between Kitai and Hyrcania. They ran for days, never stopping, as slowly but surely the force arrayed against them began to catch up. They stopped in the evenings, but their speed was greater. So when our party got to the mountain, separating uh, Kitai and Hyrcania, this force of bounty killers was right behind them. They made their way up into the hills. They rested for an evening and they found a passage. It looks like a great tunnel that perhaps had been carved by an underground river at some point leading deep into the mountains. They saw as the party um, that were chasing them split off and they heard the exorcists say that the battle against the Efreet was going poorly, that several villages and thousands had already died. So they left the dragon to deal with the foreign devils, and the rest made off to deal with the Afrit, with the rest of the armies and heroes of Kitai. Sobek cast a great spell uh, of great fog going down over it, but within that fog he saw the true shape of the dragon as it sloughed off its human guise and became a celestial dragon hundreds of feet long large enough almost to hold the mountain in its dragon arms. They fled through the tunnel, making as quick a progress as they can through the deep, dark uh, abyss, hoping to find a way out into Hyrcania. When they felt the magics of the dragon, Sobek had never felt magic like this before, magics greater than any thousand sorcerers could cast, and the mountain itself began to be squeezed and groan and scream in agony as it was being torn apart. The party was thrown. The floor opened beneath them. They fell into a great underground river and were swept away, almost drowning. The only survivor, apparently, was Ben, who may still be wandering the corridors of the mountains between Hyrcania and Kitai, but the party fell through a great opening into a sunken cavern through horrible biting creatures, razor wings, and into a deep, dark water. They were fished out by other survivors from an older expedition and told that they were in the cavern of sunken Sarkomen, a area controlled by deep ones and followers of ancient evils. They went to the village and were told that those other survivors had come in search of Sarkoman, looking for a, a chimney down into the city or perhaps a broken off tower that they had heard of from another traveler who had said he had gone through Sarkoman to another land, a magical land, 
and had accidentally been thrown back into the world. One by one, these other survivors died as the party spent 40 days in this cavern, searching daily on the boat, trying to find a way into Sarkomon. On that very last day, when the last survivor sees the chimney and is then murdered, deep ones assault this boat, wanting to prevent anyone from getting into Sarkomon. And they call upon a, a leviathan to shred the boat. Zamir stands tall. Drusus Jolden stands tall. The others flee. And then Zamir and Drusus join them. They fight and struggle through sunken Sarkomon until they come across a chamber, an air-filled chamber, and a man in a hammock surrounded by some survival gear and fish stew. And he introduces himself. Uh, he says, my name is Ricard, and I am from elsewhere, a city of Selephus in a faraway land. And I was sent here, well, I was sent somewhere else to get a silver key. And then I had to find my way here because I was being tracked in the monastery of Lang. I was able to sneak past the masters of Sarkomond and its minions and hold up here waiting for some group to help me. Only together can we get out of Sarkomond. Only together can we get into the well and activate the ritual of the silver key that will allow me to open the dream gate and take us to far off Lang and the monastery of Lang. And so a frontal assault is planned. Aurelia, Roya, Sir Drusus Jolden, Sobek strike out against the master of Sarkoman, this got giant spawn of Cthulhu. They fight, they struggle, Roya keeping everyone alive as she is shredded physically and mentally. Zamir sneaks Ricard Pickman around to the backside of the well, and he drops in and begins the ritual, telling everyone that when the light turns silver in the well, jump in. And so the party fights to a standstill, almost, almost falling. But in the end, the silver light shines and everyone jumps into the well. The ritual goes off. The world flips and we find ourselves in the bottom of a well in a land not our own, surrounded by the silver glow of a key held in the hands of Ricard Pickman, who now looks like a corpse, but is still talking. He says, listen, my friends, we are now within the bowels of the Monastery of Ling. Within this well, this gateway between the dreamlands and the waking world, we cannot be detected so, but we cannot stay long. I do not trust the yellow-veiled king not to sense us here, so we must move quickly, but I will tell you this. Oh, yes, I am a ghoul. I'm actually a ghoul. That is why I could travel to the waking world. You saw a vision of what I was when I was alive. It's, it's not necessarily a bad thing here in the dreamlands, so you don't need to worry about it. I died transitioning between the dreamlands and the waking world, so I entered the dreamlands as a corpse. Do not worry. Um, I'm still me. But listen, this is the important part. We are in the Monastery of Ling. We are in the domain of the Yellow-Veiled King. The Yellow-Veiled King 
is a god of ever-changing chaos, of possibility, of change, of dreams undreamt and dreams yet to be dreamed. Everything you see within the monastery of Ling may be true and it may not be true. When we go to move through the monastery, you must keep in your heart and in your mind one simple thought. I want to find the exit to the monastery. If you can hold that true and deal with whatever you see and feel around you, we should find our way out. However, if it takes us too long, and if a fragment of the consciousness of the yellow-veiled king strays across us, we may suffer. And if it happens too often, we may lose our very minds and souls within the monastery, or worse yet, he may awaken enough to call the spiders of Ling down upon us. Neither one of these things we want. So regardless of what you see when we leave this well, you may not see your friends, you may see your friends as enemies, it does not matter. Keep in mind what we want is to exit. Deal with whatever obstacles you face in front of you and make your way out. Once we are out of the monastery and on the plateau of Lang, I can lead us away. My ship is, is, is ported on the cliffs under a glamour. We should be able to easily get to it, make our way across the Cenarian Sea and back to Celephus. Do you have any questions? I'm familiar with these lands, but I'll have to trust your word for it. Yes, yes, you will. There's no other way back for you. So once we get to Selephus, King Karanis should be able to help you return to your lands. But there is no other way that I know of for, well, I mean, there are other ways, but it is the easiest way. Would I be getting any red flags about him being a ghoul? Uh, you can give me a roll if you'd like. You sure. can give me uh, what uh, skill you want. Uh, you can give me a, a sorcery cool. awareness, uh, or that is uh, observation. Um, sorcery, if you want to deal, take sorcery if I can. If you want to dive into the magic of him, uh, what difficulty? Uh, just difficulty one. Just I'll, yeah, just apply difficulty based on the number of successes. I'll tell you uh, how much you know. Three okay, successes with, with three successes. He is magical by his nature, but it's a kind of magic. It tastes different and feels different at your fingertips. It's It's got a sharp flavor to it, almost as if it's surreal. Whatever is giving him life is a type of magic you've never encountered before, but you don't sense any evil or any duplicity from him. It's just that is who he is here. Like ghoul from Fallout ghoul, just for imagery or different? Yeah, I mean, he looks he looks like a walking corpse. Okay. Not horribly rotten, but a little bit rotten. Yeah, okay. So I have to ask, you mentioned that this is the easiest way. Oh, yes. Uh, what might other ways be? Well, it, there's said that there's a portal in Kim, but to get through it, you have to deal with, well, some truly treacherous creatures. And if you can actually get to the pole of night and find your way to the moon, it is said that there is a gate on the moon, uh, but you have to go through the crypt and I believe the esophagus of an elder god. My translations may be a little off there. However, 
King Karanus has a mirror that he can use to allow you to walk between the waking world with the silver key between the waking world and, and the dreamlands. Also, it is true that as physical beings of the waking world, eventually the dreamlands will expel you. But it could it could take a day, it could take a week, it could take a year, it could take a century. It just depends. I see. So easiest really is by a long shot easiest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you won't have to fight and probably possibly die. There won't be vampires or night gaunts to deal with or moon beasts, which are horrendous, or elder things that are crawling from the depths of your greatest nightmares to feed on you from the inside out. It just, there are some definite treacherous areas of the dreamlands. Understood. So Roy able to sort of look to everyone else and just sort of shrug that, well, seems unpleasant, but if we can take him at his word, this does seem easiest. I'll see you friends on the other side. Remember, keep in your mind, in your mind's eye, the exit to the Monastery of Ling. So mechanically, what this means is there are two tables set up in Foundry. One is a skill check for Ling, and one is a difficulty for Ling. I'm going to go around the, around the table, and each one of you will randomly roll a skill and randomly roll a difficulty, and that is the skill and difficulty you have to succeed at. Uh, whatever that skill comes up with, whatever difficulty, I want you to narrate what that looks like for you as your character is dealing with it, because only you, only your character will see that obstacle. You have to get five successes to get out of the Monastery of Ling. After all five of you go, you'll be exposed to the Yellow-Veiled King. I have randomly rolled a d6 to determine how many rounds it will take for his consciousness to really focus in on you and all hell to break loose. Um, so without further ado, Aurelia, you guys all pop up out of the well and you don't see anybody with you. Give me that skill check and difficulty and let's let's see what you're facing. Okay, skill check is stealth. Mm -hmm. Difficulty two. Okay, so you've got a difficulty two stealth check. So what is Aurelia seeing that requires her to try to sneak past it? So the moment he mentioned like horrific spiders being something that we'd have to deal with, um, Aurelia starts noticing just these large, spanning, shimmering cobwebs. And she has, she notices that there's things inside them moving. The spiders are actively there. And so to not draw attention to herself, she is slinking through slow and steady uh, as she would like in the woods, uh, the familiar forest of Bostonian. I like it. So it is difficulty two. Uh, you do have momentum. Uh, you can bank additional momentum. You all have all of your fate points back. Um, you can even give me doom if you want for additional dice. Uh, anything's on the table, just like a normal skill check. Um, I'm going to spend some momentum to see if I can get some momentum. I like it. Success. Three successes. Three. Okay, so one bonus a success, so what? Just one momentum or two? Well, one momentum. So it was a difficulty two, so you got one momentum on three successes. What's it look like? How how do you get past these webs? Um, 
it's very almost like a weird interpretive dance. You guys notice as Aurelia, one moment she's like creeping and then she kind of like drops and she crawls a little bit and she sees something that she thinks is moving and she pauses and then she hops back up again and then she's like doing the the da da like sneak along a wall kind of thing. Very odd. Uh, without the context of the webs and everything. I love it. Uh, Sobek. Okay. Difficulty survival. two survival check. So what's it look like? What is what is Sobek having to survive against? Or is it a tracking situation? Or what what, what are you what are you dealing with? I think Sobek has five fatigue right now. So just trying to keep up with a party of fit adventurers is extremely difficult combined with the strange terrain and just unfamiliar surroundings. He's probably preoccupied mentally trying to uh, decipher if there's anything that he could take uh, knowledge wise from these lands. And he's just not paying attention to what's around him. Okay. So that's a difficulty two survival check. Um, you've got one momentum. I uh, will take you got fate, and obviously you can uh, give me doom. I will spend a fortune. All right. I think I'll take one momentum too. Oh, complication! But three successes, so you succeed. You succeed, uh, and you get an extra momentum. So what's it look like when you succeed? I think he's just finding the inner strength to continue on uh, to keep up. There might be some strange fauna or wildlife that he's never seen before that could have been dangerous, but he caught on at the last moment and was able to keep up with the party. All right. I like it. Um, the, for the complication, um, what happens is as you're doing it, a fragment of the consciousness of the yellow veiled king rubs across you and, uh, you take 10 points of mental damage minus courage that's why I have the courage. That puts it down to five total. Okay, so you take five points, so that's a wound. So you take a trauma and five points of uh, of damage to your uh, resolve. But that brings us to uh, Zamir. Yes, yes it does. All right, it is going to be... Stealth. Oh, <laughs> wow. Mother Wisp, thank you so much. She is with me even here. There is no place. There is no time. There is no plane of existence. No moon, no star. Where my grandmother Wisp will not be there to guide me. That's a fact. Only a difficulty too. You guys are rocking the difficulty too. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think it's it's just there's there's distant sounds. Uh, they probably can't see exactly what like the sentry is, but just hear a, a click, you know, a clicking or a clattering or a shifting, 
And and once Aurelia is done with her interpret dance, it'll be like, ah, yes, interesting technique. But I hear something ahead. Be very quiet, everyone. Follow my footsteps. One after the other. Quiet. Keep your head down. Stay to the shadows. Uh, so, all right. Um, I will, I'm going to go ahead and burn that momentum. See if I can get us some, um, you know what? I think I need to roll some twenties. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend <laughs> a momentum and I'm going to give you two doom Aaron as well. Oh, cool, so, cool. I'll, so I'm just going to roll f- five cause I want to get some. I like it. I love it. Uh, okay, that is six successes. Nice. Uh, so, so four more momentums. You're up to five momentum. Okay. And describe what uh, it looks like, how you get past. So he never quite sees exactly what it is. I feel like it's just constantly, it's a sound thing. And there's something like the the hairs underneath his, his beautiful, luscious mane are standing up on the back of his neck. And he genuinely feels in his head uh, the presence of, of Mother Wisp. Like, like she's having difficulty reaching him. But she's, but he can feel like the presence, like the warmth, the confidence, all kind of, kind of coming through him, and so he just trusts it at that point. When, when they, when like the hairs like, like start to stand, he holds a hand up, and everyone crouches into the shadows. When the hairs relax, he pushes forward, and he keeps in his head this like, I want to get out, I want to see Wisp, I want to get out, I want to get, and he keeps that mindset. And he never looks up. He never tries to see whatever it is that that is that is kind of stalking them. He never tries to see what's in the shadows. Never looks too carefully. Don't be don't be. This is not a time to be curious. This is a time to be careful. And so I think that's what he's doing the whole time. Just just nice. just feeling it in the back of his head. And so you sleep closer and closer and closer to the exit of the monastery, which brings us to, to Sir Drusus Jolden and your trial. What kind of skill are you going to be facing when i hop through the well i have sword in hand because who knows what's on this side also difficulty difficulty two as i bring my sword out to swing i'm greeted with a room full of high 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 uh nobility and they're discussing an important matter for some reason Ah, so Drusus, come join us for this discussion. Your counsel will be greatly appreciated. Ah, uh, oh, right. I, I thought I was here for training. Now, a war chief of your skills. I mean, you may, you may master a country your own someday soon. Come. It's something brewing. And ah, I'll there's always something brewing. Roll my counsel here. Eleven with a focus one plenty of momentum, plenty of momentum. that you can I'll now take, use i'll take one extra yeah okay All right. two successes or one success All right. no you get you got two successes um that okay. was a difficulty two so you actually make it so you're you're discussing this with them what's it look like how do you get through this discussion and continue on your way uh quite simple really we just move these people here they deal with it, and conflict's over. Of course. We, why did we not see that? All right, well, let, men, let's out the tent and get the forces ready. Thank you, Sir Jerusalem. And they fade away from your vision. 
Um, as you do then see Zamir in front of you, holding and then slowly moving forward. And you are still lockstep with him. Bringing us to Roya. Heavily wounded and traumatized Roya. Yep, that's me. <laughs> uh, insight? Insight. Difficulty. The only one not to get a difficulty to is... Five, of course. <laughs> so we don't know how many total successes we need, right? Uh, you need one more success. One more success. If you all... If you five successes will get you out. Um without uh, i mean this round so i mean it can go into next round and we would start over again with skill points but. fortune points momentum there is much that you can use anybody want to guess what my target number for insight is nine like a seven six oh. <laughs> oh, mine it'll be like mine seven wow. so you really wow. don't want to spend the fortune point then on a lost cause do you have any do you have any focus in it though? No. Oh yeah, then definitely don't spend at that point. If you had focus, <laughs> it was it would be worth doing because you had automatic ones. No. I there's there's no there's Ooh. no point in yeah. I'm just gonna <laughs> rip my failing roll as is. And even spending just, momentum, like I'd spend the momentum. Go for it. I mean, you'll make it back. Worse, I mean, we have momentum, spend it. Well, if you're gonna hail Mary, it then it, 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 it does make sense to use some fortune. Then you don't have to use all your fortune, but like it's kind of up to you. you only use one, gonna, right? Yeah, just one can get so that like, you would get a six automatic success. And so you would just need if you if you burnt all that momentum, you could roll five, you could roll five dice. I'm sorry, if you burnt three, yeah, if you burnt if you rolled five dice and then you got the one success from the fortune point, you just you wouldn't you'd only need four success. Chances are not. Spending Chances are not one, <laughs> one moment. Sorry, I'm spending one fortune and three momentum. Uh, two momentum. One fortune and two momentum will get you five yeah. dice. Okay. And it's a difficulty five. You never know. Do you, I believe. Do it. I I think you got it too. No. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Okay, so because um, remember, uh, I'm wounded and traumatized. No, yeah, yeah, he's horribly, so. horribly, horribly de- beat up. Uh, so what? What was Roya facing that required her insight, and how did uh, how did it fail, or why did it fail? Um. So she is trying to. <laughs> The first thing that popped in my head is she's been trying to figure out this whole damn time what uh, the intentions of everyone in the party is, including sort of this individual that we sort of just came in contact with. And so this isn't something she's very good at, but she's trying to like go through everyone in the group and try to figure out sort of like what what their intentions are and what's going to happen when we get there. And like, you know, if we get out, where is everyone going to go? And so that's where she's trying to like, she's not particularly good at reading people, but that's what she's somehow for some reason trying to do and failing miserably. <laughs> okay. So you guys, you kind of stutter to a stop. Um Everything gets kind of bogged down and clogged or at an intersection. You're, you're trying to figure out where to go, but something is impeding you. And then you all feel what Sobek just felt. Uh, a wave of, of 
fragmented interest, perhaps even just a dreaming mind, but it is so caustic and so powerful that it, as it rakes through the area and through your psyches, you all feel the tearing of your thoughts, the tearing of your past, uh, the tearing of who you want to be, being pulled away from you and sucked into uh, this being of immense potential, of power, of madness. And you all take four mental damage minus your courage, so not too bad. That's half my so result. So that drops our current result, right? Yes. Okay. But it's not enough to give anybody a trauma. Unless you have zero resolve, and then you get a trauma. But after that horrible pain pulls through, you think you find, you think you know now what you need to do. Focusing again on getting out, we find Aurelia. Aurelia, what is what skill are you called upon to test to get the group out of the monastery of Lang? Ooh, okay, a new one. New one, new difficulty, new skill. Lore, difficulty one. Okay. <laughs> um, nice. That might help me because my lore, I'm Good rolling job. for a seven. Well, so why can't you be like Ashley? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, why did I have to roll five? Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck! I rolled the twenty. <laughs> oh, Damn it, you didn't spend a fortune. Why didn't you just spend a fortune? <laughs> what <laughs> would have been guaranteed? All right, so Ashley, you're 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 describe what it looks like as you're trying to use lore. I mean, to to figure your way out of here. I'm missing my brains. Okay, so Aurelia's just been doing, like, secret agent nonsense. And then she stops. Because she thinks she sees these, like, carvings in the wall. And she's, she thinks she's read them before. But she's she just kind of stops. And, and then she's following it. And she thinks it's directions. Like, it's just arrows pointing. Mm -hmm. And so she starts following after the arrows in it leads her to a dead end and she has to backtrack and then she follows a different set and it takes her to another dead end and um and then she stops and she's trying to like what is this and identify like what language this is and she realizes that it actually is telling her it's a dead end and she's just been reading these instructions wrong uh and so it wastes a lot of her time <laughs> And while you're thinking about that, you know, this is that's how you're interpreting what these symbols are. But what they are actually are is they're a language of the yellow veiled king. And as you're forming these symbols in your mind, it draws his attention back briefly to you. Damn, a okay. sliver of his consciousness slides back around. And you take three points of uh of damage, of uh, of resolve damage, as again, his consciousness begins to knife away at your thoughts and begins to pull out your memories and absorb part of who you are. How's your res uh, how's your resolve that looking? Just Aurelia or everyone? No, no, just, just Aurelia. Just Aurelia. Oh, I have goodness. one resolve remaining. All right, you're good to go. You're fine. Sobek. 
you see Aurelia. You can see her. She's kind of walking around in circles and muttering, and then she grabs her head and she falls to her knees for a moment. But you you know that you were focused. You've got to find a way out. Uh, people are beginning to suffer. What what skill are you facing in your mind's eye to try? She'll be fine. We'll move on. Shit. Stealth. Difficulty three. Uh, so I actually need a four because I have the trauma now. Yep. Okay. Difficulty four. Um, yeah, yeah. And then my stealth is an 11. That's not okay. bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, and I have an expertise in it. So I'm going to spend another fortune. Good. Good. And I'm going to take the momentum and let it rip and hope that it works out. Difficulty four. Well, I need two successes. Oh, six baby. successes. Okay, so your ah. momentum is completely full now. You're back up to six momentum. And Sobek, you, as you're as you're quietly moving, you, then you see right in front of you. You literally walk right into the door. These great double doors carved with all sorts of script from a thousand languages. You don't even know how you did not see them, but you come face to face with the doors. You smack your nose into it. And you push the doors open and you feel fresh air on your face and you feel relieved of the pressure, a pressure you all didn't even know you had, the pressure of another greater elder being's mind pushing against you, flattening your thoughts and your consciousness, forcing you into the mold of its own dreams. But you're spit out on the black plateau of Lang. Now, I say the air is fresh, but all you see around you, you're on a black basalt plateau. Black is the ground. Black is the sky. There is no moon. There are no stars. The clouds themselves are heavy and black and crackling with black lightning. And you see in front of you, Ricard Pickman, twirling the silver key. Oh, thank God. I really honestly thought... Some of you probably weren't going to make it, but it's, I'm so glad you're here. How how did you get here before us? I didn't. I came with you. You just, as I said, you would not see necessarily yourselves as you saw yourself. And because I am not part of your conscious memories, I've just met you. You weren't pulling me into your group gestalt. Oh, okay. You can believe me. I'm a, I'm an honest fella. You can give me anybody can give me an insight check if they want. On is, on is he a ghoul still. at this point? He, yeah, he's still a good one. Still do it. I hear she's pretty good. <laughs> oh, pass. Thanks anyway. <laughs> do we actually have anyone in the party who's good at insight? Uh, I don't bother I, with insight. Well, I just tell people to think what good. I want them to think. I just presume everyone is lying, so that I am pleasantly surprised when they are not. Well, we will quickly make our way across the plateau. It's not its not that far. It's just a couple of hours uh, march, hard march. Uh, and then we will come to the Great Cliffs. It's it, At the bottom of the cliffs is where Sarkoman was before it was pulled into the waking world. My ship is moored there at the top of the cliffs uh, behind a glamour. Once we get to it, it will be easy sailing to Selephus. And your rest and freedom... Did you say your ship was moored 
at the top of the cliffs. By yes, or where else would would a ship be moored? The water below the cliffs. Well, that would make it hard to fly. You are you have a flying vessel. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not mine. King Karanus loaned me one of his his flying ships. Uh, to come here because it's easier than sailing across the sea and then scaling the basalt cliffs of Lang. So, yes, it was easier oh. simply to fly. Of course Surely. it's a flying ship. Have you not flew in your dreams, Amir? Drusus? Oh. This is the dreamland. <laughs> <laughs> I fly upon Will. He is right, though, yes. Um, but hurry, we should be fine now that we're outside of the monastery. Um, but we must go quickly. I want to get this silver key back in King Karanus's hands and away from all of us before any of the followers of the Yellow-Veiled King or any of the spawn, the star-spawn children of Cthulhu manage to smell it out again. Then let us and march. He starts off uh, at a brisk pace. You actually are all finding that it's Looking at looking at the terrain, it looks like it would be a hard and miserable march, but it almost passes like travel in a dream passes in stuttering steps. You take 10 steps and you think, have I walked a mile? And slowly you make your way towards the cliffs um, and you do see a shimmer in the air as you get close to the cliffs and you can smell salt and sea. Uh, but from far away, deep beneath the cliffs. And you're approaching and you're getting close. You're like, we're close, we're close. The ship is just behind this glamour. Let me dispel it quickly and we will be gone. And he begins to uh, cast a ritual of sorts. And I would like... Uh, Zamira, give me an observation check. Difficulty three. Ah. I will, uh, if we have that momentum, I shall use it. Difficulty three. That is four successes. Okay. Nice. Um, he, the veil begins to tear away from this ship, but there's something not right here. There's, you're, you're very uncomfortable. There's something familiar in the air. You sense something, but you can't put your finger on it. But it gives you a moment to react as the very shadows of your body reach up like great knifed hands to strike at you. You can attempt to parry. Uh, can I attempt to dodge? <laughs> uh, or is, it, is it dodge? Sorry, I get... Uh... Yes. No, wait, hold on. Dodge, dodge. Yeah, no, it's parry. No, no. It's parry. It's parry. Yeah. It is parry. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to spend a couple of doom myself here. But you can try to parry this. Okay. We have momentum. Um. I'll go ahead and use a fortune because I do have a point in parry, I suppose. And I will burn the other momentum. All right. See how I do. Not so good. 
One success. Two successes. One success. Two successes. So that takes him down to three successes. And he got a complication. So I'm going to take it down to just one success. Um, as these shadowy knives reach up out of your very own shadow and and dig into you. Um, and you take, uh, what's your armor situation like? Your soak, armor soak. Where, where is it hitting me? Uh, torso. That torso. Just one. Okay. So you take seven points of physical damage. So you take a wound. It's, it's piercing. So I don't, I don't think, I think I would actually take all eight. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Uh, so you take eight points. So you take a wound. Um, and eight points of vigor damage. Okay. And you hear a voice you haven't heard in so very long. Dear Zabir, you do not know how long it has been that I have been searching for you. Hither and yon, hither and yon. You upset Zehud a great deal. Great enough that he sent me after you. And it is the voice of Bijan. And out of the shadows, you now see the full ship and it's covered in webs. And you see Bijan pulling his shadowy knife hands back out of your shadows as he walks down the gangplank. Um, I just sent you guys in the Discord a picture of him. And three... I didn't did not seem to attach and three women well women is a maybe not the right word for it three beings feminine features with the bodies of bulbous spiders coming down uh you recognize them as joragumos and beneath the cloak of bijan now known as iktomi you see what appears to be large spiders moving in and out under his cloak. Do you understand? Do you know what it took for Zehud to to dream us into this land? He sacrificed a great deal for you, Zamir, for me to have an opportunity to play with you again. Considering how ineffectual. You actually are for you with a free shot, and I am still here. It must have taken a great deal, but I wonder if it might have been better for him to send an apprentice assassin, at least one who could actually hit the mark. Your tongue was always more cutting than your blades, Zemir, but I suppose now is a good enough time as any to see which of us. Me and my cohort, or you and yours, is the true master of death dealing. And at you that point, I, I think Zemir would say, you come to us when we have crawled through the sunken city of Sarkoman, when we have escaped the monastery at Lang. You are a coward. You are a coward because you cannot face us on an even field. You have no honor. That is much, much, much clear. But even still, I understand why you would attack us in such a manner. But here is the thing. We need not go through 
the hell that we have gone through just to die to a pathetic, disgusting embarrassment of what was once a member of my blood. Goodbye, Bijan. Enjoy the afterlife. And as his uh, as these horrid giant Jorgumo begin to make their way down, and Bijan begins to saunter down with them, you hear from in the midst of you, Ricard Pickman, chanting. And then he says, Please, blessed Ishtar, do not forget the last scion, the last priest of your faith. Help my friends. And you all feel a wave of healing energy pass among you and envelop you. Your wounds and traumas are healed and you feel refreshed. You see him crumpled to the ground unconscious after having unleashed such great magic. But you are all back to full strength. And it's your go. Did you uh, say, does that you include say- fatigue? That includes fatigue. Everything. Wound. Everything. Everything just back to start. Okay. Everything's back to start. He used uh, the last blessing of Ishtar uh, to heal you. Okay. I feel amazing right now. And I'm just going to tell you guys (laughs) you had to trust him um, and follow him for him to feel committed enough to you for you to do that. If, If you guys had doubted him on the way, he was just going to let this fight play out however it was. Glad I held my tongue. For what? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you guys are up. Um, I have not seized the initiative. Uh, they see the, the Jorogumo and uh, uh, Bijan see this healing wave touch all of you. And you see him scowl and spit. Um, but they arrange themselves. But you're up first, at least until I decide uh, to spend Zemir's, some points. Zamir's going to go. Uh, Zamir is going to, as quickly as possible, he is going to, because uh, he can see Bajan or whatever Bajan's state is in, and he will uh, produce a dagger, as always, just kind of pulling it out from wherever. He will take the exploit action, uh, but then he will burn a fortune to take a second uh, full action, and he will throw the dagger at uh, Bijan, uh, as as per his usual uh, his, his usual process. Um. Uh, right. So, uh, oh my god! And he sees that. Oh, he sees you throwing, starting to throw your dagger, and I will spend a point of doom to allow him to take a acrobatics reaction to that. But let's see how you do. Under stealth, it doesn't save anymore. I, have to, I always have to reset it every single time. Uh, all right, so two, three. I'm going to burn a fortune on the attack as well. Uh, all right. All right, that is six successes. Ooh. Nice. Okay, so you see him start start to move to try to dodge out of the way. Uh, and he only gets one success, so you get you net five successes. Okay. 
Uh, so going to roll for damage. Um, going to let's see. I will go ahead and use so five successes. So I net five. You said. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go ahead and just burn all that five on damage, bonus damage. Um, I'll use a audience dice for a bonus die. Got it. And then I will roll. Uh, and I will... Okay, I'm going to go ahead and you tap into my... What's it called? My talent that lets me shift everything into effects. And so mm-hmm. basically I just rolled 10 damage, five effects uh, against him with, uh, and because he's, because I took the exploit action, I have all of the, the extra bonuses and whatnot, like usual. Mm-hmm. So the total damage then is. So with, 20? I did something like that. Cause I did 10 it's vicious 10. Yeah. So 10, so it's five plus five is 10, 10. plus another how much momentum I do? So it's another five. So I think it's plus 15. five. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Okay. So uh you hit him. Now he it does the the dagger seems to go into him and almost start to pass through him as if he was incorporeal. Um, but because of the 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 strength of the throw and and the hatred and anger, the emotional impact of it, it catches within his body and he takes a significant amount of damage. Uh, he is not down, um, but he is he's deeply injured. He scowls. Ah, your blades still bite deep, Zamir, but not deep enough to drop me with a single throw. Oh, do not worry. There are many more blades where that came from. And I will spend one point of doom to seize the initiative and he is going to strike out, but not necessarily um, at Zamir because he wants to hurt you, which might mean hurting your friends. Uh, so he, so you see him move and shift and then those shadowy claws reach up out of Aurelia's shadow to strike out at her. However, you guys are aware this is going on. So Aurelia, you can attempt to parry this if you'd like. Okay. You give me you have to give me one doom and then you can parry. I'll give you a doom. All right. Uh two successes. He got Ooh. four successes so he net two successes um so he is gonna do damage uh and he is going to um use his own assassin's blow uh we will see what that looks like in a minute so bonus So what he does is he is going to spend one, two, three, four, five, five doom and make all of those effects. So you take one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, 
24 points of vigor damage. Okay, yeah, I have eight. So. Okay, so you go to zero. Yeah. Uh, so you take a wound from that. So you're at four wounds and unconscious. Okay. Um, and possibly dying if somebody doesn't get to you pretty quick. Oh, shit. Nice. Okay. And then the, the shadowy claws withdraw, and he just laughs. He goes, Cezamir, I can strike at the heart of you without even striking at your heart. It's back to you guys. And Zamir will say very quickly, You fool, you are so unperceptive. That one you just attacked left me to die. I care not what you do to her. <laughs> <laughs> he scowls again even deeper. Point my blade at Bijan. Enemy of Zamir is an enemy of mine. And I redirect it towards his ladies. Okay. I'll spare you if you, re if you allegiance to towards me. Give me a, uh, give me a, uh, what is it, command roll here? Command. Ooh, I'm pretty good in that. I'll spend a fortune. All right. And it will be, uh, it's going to be opposed against well, their social role. Okay. Four successes. All right, they only got three successes. So you actually see these three Jorogumo back up um, and settle as if to wait to see the outcome of this fight. And they're hissing at you, but they're 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 afraid. They saw what Zamir did to someone they thought was virtually invincible. Um, so you know they're they're a little cowardly. So they pull back. Then let's spend two momentum to do a swift action. In a secondary standard action. Nice. And I will strike at Bijan. Okay. And he's so fixated on what he just did to Aurelia that he does not even attempt to get out of your way. So you succeed. One success. Roll your damage. It'll be nine physical damage with incinerary two. Oh, nice. Okay. So you see him catch fire. He starts to burn. Um, and he is grievously injured. He's still on his feet, but he's, he's shaking and wavering. And what was sort of an incorporeal, like your, your blade kind of sank in, but didn't really catch. But as you pulled it out, he began to burn from the inside out. And he looks much more physical now. And where there was cockiness in his eyes, now there's true fear. Sobek, Roya? Yes. Um, I would like to cast a spell. I'm not sure if it'll work, but I feel more confident with him becoming more corporeal. I want to cast Gaze of Set. And right. I want to command him to kneel and bare your neck before your brother. All right. So all right. I assume that would be risky because it's not compelling him to engage in violence, but like jumping yeah. over a risky chasm is, would be comparable. Risky is is right. Yep. Okay. Sorcery, and uh, I will take the momentum, and I will give you a doom as well. Okay. 
nice. Um, Seven successes. And I believe he gets to make a discipline check. Mm -hmm. No, 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 failed. So you see him um, and he begins to kneel before Zamir. But as your spell strikes him, you feel like it feels like a hot wind of swarming spiders come racing out of his aura, not from him. You think through him, probably from uh, Zahud himself as a reaction, some sort of protection against this. The spell worked, but now uh, you feel magic coursing back at you. Um, so this is a threat attack, a mental attack, so you can resist it with discipline. Um, but Let's give it. I will attempt to do so, and I will use some of the momentum that I just banked. What difficulty? Uh, it's just it's you're Standard. against the spell, so it's yeah, okay. just difficulty okay. one, uh, and just whoever gets the most wins wins. It's probably going to be you. I only got four. Yeah. <laughs> so you I can feel do two this. things. You feel this wave of, of spidery death coming at you. And you honestly think if that struck you, if those spiders forced their way down your throat and into your ears and past your eyes and nested within you, it might kill you. But you're able with your sorceress might to split the stream of spiders. And as they move past you, they just dissipate into shadows and then ash and then disappear. Zamir... You see Bajan, and he's shaking and quivering, trying to break this compulsion, spitting into the ground, begging Zehud to free him from the sorcery as he lays his neck bare at you. We're still in this just so I don't want to... So there's things he would do, but I think Zamir will just kind of reach out with his hand and just kind of pet him like he's a dog. Oh, Bijan. Oh, you've made some very poor choices, my friend. Uh, and we're in, we're in combat, but I, like once once Amir can actually take an action, let me know. But otherwise, he's just sort of like yeah. No, him. at the moment we're kind of out of combat because okay. the Joragumo they they start to withdraw. I mean, mm -hmm. they've seen what you can do within seconds to to someone they thought was almost you know the right hand of Zehud. Uh, they are fleeing back across the plateau of Ling. Um, you are out of combat. You have, I mean, Aurelia is in deep trouble if somebody doesn't heal her, but you're, you're effectively uh, out of combat. So Zamir will just kind of pat him on the head. Like, ah, oh, my dear friend, once brother, you have made some very poor choices. Goodbye. And then he will rapidly produce the black fan. And then with just like these quick thousand cuts, he will just cut as many pieces of, uh, of Bajan off as he possibly can. Uh, and then saving the head for last, and then cut the head off. And uh, as as the head falls away from the body, you hear a kind of skittering noise, a kind of pulling sound, and a shadow of a great spider is disgorged from his throat, uh, and then just sort of dissipates into ash. And his body crumbles and his blood seeps into the black plateau of Lang. And Bijan is no more. 
and I saw Roya uh, did some healing. Um, to so Aurelia, yeah, to Aurelia. So Aurelia, you wake. You're still horribly wounded, uh, but you're conscious and stable. Uh, and you see, um, Ricard is slowly getting to his feet, and he looks so much worse. Now skin is literally rotting off of his body. You can see through to his skeleton in most places. You can see his heart slowly beating. He goes, well, I knew that was going to take a lot out of me, but it looks like everyone is... Help get her onto the boat, onto the ship. Once we get to uh, Salafus, there are healers who can who can help her. Uh, it's good to see that you can handle such bows. Uh, I knew you were fierce, but my lord, uh, an avatar of Zehud in the dreamlands. I would have never thought to see such a day. Is that really your brother, Zemir? No, it is not. He was in truth my cousin, but we were raised as such. He stopped being my brother a very long time ago. And my friend Ricard... I imagine the threat would have been more significant if Zehud would have chosen a more uh, capable avatar. Aurelia, I hope you are well. I apologize, I did not mean to offend, but I had to keep up. A sense of confidence as Bijan is one who will crumble in front of it. She didn't even hear you, but like what you had said, because she just passed out. But she's like, okay. I said that I didn't care about you and that I was okay if he killed you. And I am, I apologize. Oh, well, and, uh, I can. <laughs> and she kind of pauses and she's quiet. And she's Roy like, is bandaging Aurelia up and she's just like. <laughs> <laughs> um, as long as you get home to Grandma Wisp, we're fine. And so Ricard gets you all onto this flying ship, and you see out from corners of the ship come a 20 or 30 mice, white mice. They're about three feet tall, and they're all wearing waistcoats. And they're, are we, are, are we ready to go? Are we ready to go? Are we ready to go? And uh, Ricard looks down at them, yes, yes, make the ship ready. We return to Selephus. And they start... Uh, moving through, uh, and you see great sails come out. A huge, great square sail comes out from uh, the mast, and then other sails come out of the side of the ship. And you feel the ship begin to lift and move away from the cliffs. And the night sky itself, as you move away from the cliffs, the blackness recedes, and it's almost like you're looking at Van Gogh's starry night. I mean, the stars are huge. Planetary bodies seem to be so close that you can reach out and touch it. You can feel the moon hovering at your rear, large enough that you know that if you reached out, you could grasp it. And much like the travel across the Plateau of Lang, you begin to move, and then you seem to lose track of time, or time loses track of you, perhaps, and what seems like only moments, but might have been days later, you find yourself moving into this great glass city. Um, magical towers, floating homes, clouds suspending other uh, buildings and edifices. As you move in and you dock, 
And at this point, once you get off the gangplank and once Ricard is back standing in this glass city, he looks like he did. He looks like he did in the mortal realm. He looks human again. He's like, oh, thank God to be back in Celephus. Listen, let us let us go down to the king's antechambers. I will let him know I'm back with the silver key. Uh, retainers will come uh, and and heal Aurelia and uh, take you to baths, and you can refresh yourself. And then I will introduce you to King Karanis. If that is friend. all right. Of course, thank you've been a great help. And so you take you go down this this huge spiral stairwell, um, and it's just a, this. The stairs themselves are translucent, uh, and there doesn't seem to be walls encircling you or anything supporting the stairs, but you don't feel like you could fall either as you slowly make your way down this tower. And you pass through mists, and you find yourself in this huge, comfortable room. You have no idea how you got into it, but it's wood panel. There's a great fireplace. There's books and couches and a buffet laid out, and fine wines. And there are two women who immediately come over. They're incredibly tall, seven and a half feet, and very thin with incredibly long fingers. And they scoop down and they pick you up, Aurelia, even though you're conscious, almost effortlessly, and hold you out. And they take you over to a bed. And then additional arms start coming out of their sides until each one of them has 10 or 12 arms. And their long fingers seem to have items or instruments in them or part of them. And they just begin to natter and talk amongst themselves in a language you don't know. But you feel the soothing heat and warmth and comfort. You smell baked bread and jam. You have a perfect memory, a perfect moment in time as you are slowly refreshed and brought back to health. What would the rest of the like rest of you like to do while you're in this sanctuary? My jaw's pretty much agape after seeing this buffet line ready. Tell me I'm dreaming. Are we still and, in the cavern? And the funny thing is, is literally the first food you think of when you glance down, you see. And you see other food around it, but then the next thing you think about is right next to the first thing. It's almost as if this room itself was designed to give you the comforts you earned. Oh, okay. So is there anything else any of you would like to do before your audience with King Karanis, other than rest and eat? Raya would be watching uh, the work that is being done to Aurelia um, because it's what she does is sort of mm -hmm. healing and counsel and those kind of things. So she would be um, just trying to peek around like, I could do that. And no, I don't this, think I could do that. Maybe this woman's that. face, she's still staring at Aurelia, but another face appears in the back of her head. And then arms stick out of her back and then fold you and move you around. And they start moving your hands with their hands and directing your head without touching your head, but you feel their gaze moving your gaze as you're being taught something you don't even understand how you could be taught. And you pick up an extra focus and an extra skill in medicine. As wow. you, as you are trained, 
uh, almost um, without knowledge of how you're being trained in skills you don't even understand. But I can redo the movements. Yeah, I mean, it's it now it's not just it's almost like you absorbing part of this woman, like she's gifting you part of herself so you understand something better. And so she acts like she's understanding, like, oh. Mm, mm-hmm. And they nod, oh. and they nod, and they start <laughs> nattering. They start nattering at you, too, in a language you don't understand. But then you start to you start to think that you understand it. Um, and they're just, they're talking about their day and their family and things that you would normally hear in a hospital setting amongst a couple of healers working. And you feel a part of that triad of healing now. Sobek, while this is happening, a, sh- a very short man, no more than four feet tall, uh, old, old, uh, pot-bellied, wearing a sort of a purple toga, uh, wobbles in and comes up to you, and he sort of pinches you, pinches your gut, pinches at your arm, looks up, squat down here, son, squat down here. Uh... Very well. I'll take a knee. And he, he gets, he puts his nose tip against your nose tip, and he's looking at the bandages in your eyes, and he's like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna need to work on that. You got, oh, you got some big trouble. Oh. Oh, man. Hi. Okay. I, I'll talk to you later. I, I gotta go let the king know about this. He was wondering, and yeah. Oh, you're a dog. Yeah. Poor kid. Poor kid. And he toddles off and leaves the room. What a strange little man. And Sobek would immediately go back into his pretending to be blind, and he would hold out an elbow. Zamir, I believe I smell food. Would you be willing to guide me? Of course, my friend. And he will take Zamir's arm, uh, knowing full well Sobek is full of crap, and uh, will escort him in the direction of wherever juices went with the, to get the, the food. Samir, I, are you well after our last encounter? I'm, I'm quite well, thank you. Regards, um, magics were very invigorating, in fact. Your brother had quite a weak will. It was not difficult to break. Yes, that is the reason... He, well, was so easily corrupted by Zahud, I would imagine. I hope that your will will prove stronger than your family's. Oh, I do not believe it was a family trait, but rather his own poor decision-making will let him down that path. Then hopefully we will never have to test it. Oh, what is this over here? That is uh, crocodile meat, it looks like. <laughs> oh, delicious. Yes. Sobek, your favorite beverage. Water. <laughs> uh, I'll take a nice, two. A nice callback to, to session one. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, Sobek, is all around you, you feel magic. It's almost as if this entire realm is magic, but it's... Uh, it's it's like you knowing Braille is a language, but not being able to read it. 
you know it's magic, but it's not any kind of magic you've ever felt before or even know how to access. I would definitely be paying attention as much as possible. I wouldn't go seeking anyone out. Uh, I, I don't feel that safe here. But I, I would be trying to pay attention to glean any little bits of insight that I can. So, once again, some time passes. You don't know how much. You remember eating. You remember drinking. You remember talking and joking. And Aurelia is completely fine. And you were sure there were two people working on her, but you can't quite remember what they looked like. or And they're not here now. Uh, and then a door that wasn't there a moment ago opens, and you see Ricard standing there. My friends, uh, if you're ready, King Karanis would would like to welcome you to his court for the great service that you have done, Selephus. And as you look down, you guys, you find yourselves in immaculate clothing. Either your own clothes, completely repaired and almost as if they're new, or perhaps... Finer raiment, polished armors and tabards, sorcerous robes, almost as if however you would have seen yourself at the pentacle of who you think you should be is how you see yourself dressed now as you move through the door uh, and into the throne room, directly into the throne room of King Karanis. And there is a large, it's a large open space with great crystal pillars holding up, you would think a ceiling, but when you look up, all you see is sky. And then you blink and you see a ceiling, and then you blink and you see sky. There are people milling all about, courtiers, um, and it looks like warriors or guards. And at the far end of the hall, sitting on a crystal throne, you see a man, um, an average-looking man. He's thin, wearing some sort of black suit with short, slicked black back black hair and a pencil-thin mustache, a strange hat that the rest of us would recognize as a bowler hat, uh, sitting on one arm of the chair and a cane next to him. And you also see that very short man in a purple toga as Ricard leads you towards the throne. You get about 15 steps away, and King Karanis stands. And he, he comes down off his dais. He's got his cane under his arm, and he goes and he reaches out a hand. He's like, I, I'm never quite sure what time people are from at all. They're... Hi, hi, ah, yes, hi, Boria. Apologies. I, uh, it's uh, my way of greeting you. Uh, Ricard, uh, it doesn't matter. I am from a different time than you, but this is my city. I dreamed it into existence. This is Selephus, and you are great heroes to Selephus for helping Ricard bring back the silver key and keeping it out of the hands of the yellow veld king and Cthulhu. And returning it here to me. Uh, thank you, Your Majesty. It's been gracious having us in your halls. Ah, you're you're welcome here. But I must tell you, the very pillars of the Dreamland shook when so many God-sworn beings from the waking world arrived. I have to tell you, it's unlikely that you would be able to stay long 
the waking world pulls the likes of you back to its bosom sooner rather than later. So I recommend that after we settle a few scores, you allow me to return you to your realm so that you get there in the right time and right place or close to it. But we have other problems to address. You see, right after you arrived, I had another visitor, and I believe this visitor needs to talk with Sir Drusus Joldan. And out of the sky, you see an enormous storm crow fly down out of the sky and begin to fly circles around Sir Drusus Joldan. It's larger than the largest eagle you've ever seen, and lightning crackles through its wings. And its eyes, its eyes are star fields. And from its mouth, you hear it caw three times. And then you hear the voice of the Morrigan. Sir Drusus Jordan, I have come or sent my avatar at great expense, for we must speak not as the goddess of death, not as the goddess of war, but as the goddess of prophecy. You must make a decision here and now. I will tell you a tale, and you will tell me how it ends. On one hand, your fiancé, Lu Tijan, sits within a convent, and within a day, out of shame and grief and anger, she will take her life. And she will be cast into the hells. And she will spend 100 lifetimes in the hells before she is spit out again as a serf. And she will spend another 100 lifetimes before her soul is redeemed. Or you may free her. And in so freeing her, she will find peace and power within the convent. And she will rise to be its leader. And then she will rise to be a voice within the emperor's court. And in time, to be his voice within the court. And she will take Katai to a golden age of freedom. It was to be your destiny to sit at her side as the ruler of Kitai. But that is a destiny that is no likely, no more to be had. The Afrit has been captured, but 5,000 souls perished before then. Your choice is to give her freedom or accept her death. Or at least you have a choice to make and then I must make a choice. So what is your choice? Sir Drusus Jodan. It appears both choices leaves me not at her side. Indeed, that choice was taken from you the moment the Ifrit erupted from the village sanctuary. Then it is simple. I wish to free her. Bless you, child. And the marriage contract in your hand turns to golden light and disappears. You have helped save a kingdom, even though they will never know it. So for that, I gift you a new companion since your hawk fell in battle. And the great storm crow shrinks slightly back to the size of a normal eagle and lands upon your shoulder. And in your mind, you hear its voice. 
We shall do great things together, Master. Great things indeed. Well, nice to meet you, friend. And it is nice to be of service to you. And at that, the little man in the purple toga comes up and he starts whispering in Karanis's ear. I, I, I'm telling you, this is what's going on. You gotta, yeah, we gotta let him know what's going on. I, I, yes, yes, my lord. Hey, so, uh, Sobek, Kepa, that's you, right? Sobek, so, Keeper, yes. Keeper, Kepa, whatever. Listen, fella, I gotta tell you, not since I fought the Jerry's in the end there. Uh, have I taken such a hell of a blow as when I felt the claws of a celestial dragon trying to claw its way into the dreamlands? I'm here to tell you, that's messed up. It can't get here. It's a divine being. I mean, an avatar can get here for a moment. But a celestial dragon, I mean, the celestial court sends those things after demigods to take them to hell. Not some two-bit sorcerer. No offense intended. Um, so we can keep it out, but I'm here to tell you the moment you leave the dreamlands, it is going to, it is going to swoop down. It is going to tear your soul out of your body and it's going to deposit into the deepest, darkest Katai hell there is forever. No, no revisiting the wheel, no resurrection. Your soul is just, it's just going to be bound in the worst possible hell for eternity. I thought you should know. King Karanis here, he thought you should know too. Um Me, feel for you, man. You're the one who refused to give back the paperwork. No, it was all about the whole cracking the altar, agreeing with the free freeing him, uh, releasing a great demonic scourge upon a, an entire country, the death of countless women and children and livestock even. I mean it was horrendous. If you saw it was through a the mirror what I saw. Yeah, I, I don't care. I mean, like I said, I don't give a shit at all. I mean, I'm getting a migraine from this thing trying to claw its way in the dreamlands. I just thought you should know. And I got a potential solution for you. Uh, no, not question first. Yeah, go for it. Who is Jerry? You don't need to worry about that. It's a whole different thing. We may have an opportunity to talk about it at length later. But really, your only hope is staying in the dreamlands. Afraid I have a greater destiny than lies here. Oh, he's got a greater destiny there, King Karanis. He feels uh, completely comfortable going uh, back through the mirror. Apparently, I mean, I was gonna. Well, it doesn't matter if that's what you want. That's just that's good. He he wants to go. I don't. Apparently, he wants to spend eternity in hell. It's gonna. I don't. I I told him what I could tell him. All right, you're a uh, you. Yep. Good decision. That's smart thinking there. Uh, and he, he turns and walks away, muttered to himself. He's like, ah, two-bit sorcerers. They never do. They never learn. Uh, and, uh, he fades away. I mean, literally just fades away. He takes a couple of steps, becomes a little more ethereal, then gets see-through. And then you still hear him muttering, but he's gone. And then King Karanis looks down and he's like, uh, all right then. Well, the story of your exploits on my behalf will spread through the dreams of all living people. I can't help you in Kitai. The Celestial Court has banished all thought of you. 
but the rest of the world will know of your heroics, even if they don't understand how they know of it. You have done us a great service. And I have a friend. I have a friend in your world that I can send you to. He will take care of you. He will give you a place to rest, recover, um, and plan your next adventure, uh, at least for most of you. At least over at Sobek. Um, if that is what you wish, I can already feel the material world pulling at you, and soon you may start to disappear from here and to where I cannot say, but I can send you through the mirror to the to my friend, and he may, and he will definitely shelter you and take care of you. That is very if you kind wish. This take. Yeah, so Zemir was like, that is very kind of you, uh, your highness. We would gladly accept your aid. Yes. The protection of your friend. Please do not let Sobek's, um, well, uh, pride uh, let uh, uh, harm the rest of us. We, we we very much appreciate what you are doing for us here. Uh, no, no worries. I uh, I understand that uh, everybody has their own personality quirks. I'm not really that concerned about it. Before I came here, I was a drug-addled buffoon before I became the king of Celephus, so to each their own. Oh, that's wonderful. I would, I would love to hear that story, but we're out of time, I suppose. Yeah. Well, every night you'll dream yourself here while well, you'll dream yourself into the dreamlands, and because you're honored guests, you'll be pulled back here to Celephus, and we can chat throughout the evenings of your dreams. Oh, that sounds lovely. It does, yes, indeed, yes. And you should, you will, you will even remember most of them. You will be waking dreamers within the dreamlands, uh, free to come and go as you please. Well, most of you. Who most of is us not free. Oh no, no. I mean, Sobek will be consumed and in hell long before I you see. sleep again. Of course, yes, of oh, course. Yes. They have yet to be killed by a dragon. I do not see why I should begin fearing it now. Okay. Of course. I know. I, I, I completely understand. Would you... So, I again, I'm afraid uh, that we cannot delay too long, but I will see you again uh, the next time you sleep, if if that is all right. Yes, please. would mean that I'm sleeping, and that would be welcome. And he takes the silver key and he plunges it into this large mirror. Um, and the mirror begins to shimmer and glow and then it turns into a field of stars. And he says, all you need to do is walk through it and you will walk out another mirror um, and you will be back. Uh, you will be back in the Hyborian kingdoms. Uh, and virtually, in fact, I would dare say Perhaps a day will have passed since you entered the dreamlands. Um, so little time. Other than what you spent in Sarkomand, of course. But. And this will take us to the friend of yours that will yes, aid us. Yes, yes. He'll be waiting for you on the other side. I sent a dream missive to him across the veil. Uh, and he knows of you and your heroics. And he will treat you accordingly. Might we have his name so that we know who to look for when we cross the threshold? You will walk right out into his room. But hurry now. Okay. I'll walk through. So 
you walk through Zamir, Aurelia, Roya, and Drusus. You walk through, you feel a pressure, you feel a cool wind, and you feel an uplifting warmth, and you press through, and you're in a large hall. Sobek, you feel the pressure of the mirror. It starts to cool wind, and then you smell brimstone and fire and heat, and it starts baking into you, and you slip through and find yourself in the maw of a celestial dragon. And your last thought, as it crunches your body and rips your soul free, is that perhaps the dreamlands might have been a better alternative after all. Zamir, Aurelia, Roya, and Drusus, what you see, you obviously see that Sobek is not with you. But what you do see is at the end of a hall, a man sitting on a large ivory throne, a great two-handed sword at his right side and a great shield at his left. He is near seven feet tall and perhaps the strongest looking man you've ever seen in a bronzed breastplate and high boots. He's got long black hair going gray, but ice blue eyes. He grabs the hilt of his sword as he sits there and he says, By Krom, welcome to the court of King Conan. You are safe in Aquilonia. Your exploits are known and you will be heroes of the realm. Aquilonia? That means we're back. Zamir will mumble to himself in shock at hearing Conan, like King Conan. And he will like literally go to a knee because i feel like zamir would have heard stories oh yeah yeah of the aurelia yeah definitely i mean all of you would have heard all of you would have heard of conan oh my friends no ceremony here i wear the crown but i'm just a barbarian from samaria still Rise, riches are yours to be had. Horses, silks, gold. Rooms within my castle for as long as you wish. This is your home now as much as it is mine, after what King Karanis has said of me. So, what you all mechanically get is your renown increases to five. Oh, God. Hell yeah. You get 500... No, you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) And you Are you saying 500... my friends didn't remember me? No. You get 500 experience points and five renown, uh, and you've been welcomed into the court of King Conan and given free reign into the dreamlands by King Karanis. So with that being said, what I'd like to do is go around the horn, um, and I want everybody uh, to tell me what is, what's the next step for their character? What do, where do they see themselves going? What do they see themselves doing? And we're going to start with Aurelia. I will say this before you start, though. I will say this. Once you came back into the land of the living, you did feel and hear the calling of crows and the beating of wings and almost a motherly embrace for a moment right as you passed through the mirror uh, and you felt the presence of the Morrigan. Roya, when you passed through the mirror, you felt the mark of Satheno sort of burn on your hand a little bit and you felt a desire to see the deserts of Stygia. Sir Drusus Joldan, you've just felt 
a piece that you did not know that you were missing holding on to that marriage contract. And the, the storm crow at your shoulder caws and you feel the pull to adventure. Now, Aurelia, what do you see yourself doing after resting here in King Conan's court? Um, When she comes through, is she still wearing the clothing that she wore in the Dreamlands? Yes, yep. So she did have a slight fashion change. Uh, she's now more decked out in crow feathers than she was previously. And she does spend some time relaxing here with the rest of the group. But eventually she does briefly return home um, to the Bostonian marshes. And she just spends some time roaming by herself, dealing with threats. Uh, but eventually she feels the call to return back to the Morrigan and devote herself more fully um, to her and her purposes. Wonderful. So Aurelia in time becomes a disciple of the Morrigan, perhaps a champion for the Morrigan, uh, as is the Blackheart. Mm -hmm. Sobek. What does it feel like being trapped in the deepest, most horrendous Kitai hell? What is that? What would that look? I mean, and all I'll say, what would that look like to Sobek? What would it be for him to be in true hell? That's a good question. Uh, he spent his entire life believing that he would be a god reincarnated. So I believe being in hell would mean. Basically that he he's eternally waiting for the reincarnation to happen, yet being powerless to affect it. Right, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, stripped of your magic, stripped of your power, uh, just waiting for a day that you've been told will never come. That does sound pretty horrible. I just And just on a side note, uh, they were going to cast atavistic voyage on you and pull your your soul out of your body and then allow you to kill your body so you could permanently stay in the dreamlands and study dream magic but i think hell is a better fit i agree i agree he had Samir. a scroll from stygia he wanted to go back and get it translated you know that was important I, I, stuff i got gotcha, you i got gotcha. you it makes sense to me uh zamir what is what does zamir do after his stay with king conan Zamil is at a very interesting time in his life now, uh, for he knows that in uh, 200 years or so, Mother Wisp is waiting for him. Bijan has been dealt with. He has renown and riches, which honestly is not the greatest thing for an assassin. It is best to be uh, uh, lesser known. So I think Zamir actually becomes and does exactly what uh, Mother Wisp has asked him to do, and that is... He travels everywhere. He goes north to Asgard in Vanheim. He travels uh, possibly to see Aurelia in the Bessonian marches. He uh, goes down to Aragos and perhaps even Stygia in the back of his mind. Many years later, he remembers an old sorcerer friend of his. And is curious if he had any family. And he wanders a bit, as I believe what Samir would do. Nice. Sir Drusus Jildan. I would see myself wandering some of those parts with Zamir as he's still adventuring corners of the world so he could be along the way. Then he might part and make some loyal companions elsewhere as well. Maybe fall in love with a fierce lady warrior in their duo adventure battles on the field as well. 
And I would dare say that Sir Drusus Jol'dan does, in time with this fierce warrior woman, carve a kingdom out of Vanaheim for himself in the far north, amongst the Frost Giants. Leaving us with Roya and the Mark of Satheno. So Roya would um, definitely travel to Stygia. Um, she has really actually, I think some other folks in the party want to continue sort of in the adventuring and all of those kinds of things. And she had a lot of things happen earlier and she wants to sort of help the most people possible and sort of the having the same people get hurt and like heal them and get hurt and heal them for her starts to feel a bit not what she wants to do. Um, so she's going to travel to Stygia and sort of kind of do as she's sort of called to do as it were. Um, but really what she wants to do is sort of use the renown and any way that she can sort of cash that in to kind of do more for the masses. And so that's what you find yourself doing, traveling to these different cities and actually helping to set up, you know, foundations and organizations that help with your money and your fame. Uh, followers flock to you. The Mark of Sethino marks you as a blessed of Set. So particularly in the South, in Stygia and through all lands that Set touch, you are almost seen him as a messiah. And the fact that you help the poor elevate them and give them strength. And the legend of Roya, the daughter of Sethino, uh, stretches across all of the Southlands. And so... Our Hyborian tales close with our heroes having found the fates that they chose um, and having met perhaps the greatest kings in the dreamlands and in Hyboria. I want to thank all of my players. You guys have been amazing. I've really enjoyed running this campaign. I also want to thank everybody who's watched either here on Twitch or on YouTube. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, obviously I love Robert E. Howard and I've loved this opportunity to play this game. So thank you. So we are going to be leaving Swords and Sorcery and Robert E. Howard behind. And in two weeks, we are going to be dropping into session zero of a grim, dark future of the Imperium of Man in the 41st century. We're going to be doing some Wrath and Glory, Warhammer 40K character creation, and then we're going to be diving into the Litanies of the Lost to see if uh, the Blessed Emperor on his golden throne is well served by the agents of the Imperium. That's all I've got. Jeff, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Uh, yeah. Aaron, thank you so much for this. This is awesome. I love Conan, love Robert E. Howard. I think it, I think it's pretty clear from everybody who's played and everybody's watched that you have really done an amazing job of kind of building mm -hmm. the world, like showing the world of uh, of, of Hy uh, Hy Hyboria, excuse me. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. 
and you know the cool thing is is that uh, most of our characters survived and so at some point down the line uh, most of season us two. might be able to play again in the season two so uh, I don't right. I don't think the door is closed which is great which is great and maybe uh, maybe we'll get so back the donkey 2.0 <laughs> we'll see we'll see uh, all right so let's do some plugs for what's coming next tomorrow is our next uh, is our next game as we are playing one ring uh, it is our it's our second to last session. Uh, it is the the next to last. Uh, and if if Game of Thrones is any indication, the second to last is usually more exciting than the last. So get ready. Uh, <gasps> it's going to be pretty intense. And I don't think everyone is going to make it out. Uh, then the next game for that is Monday, uh, where we are playing Fragged Empire. It's our first session for that space uh, space sci-fi, not grim dark like Warhammer 40k, a little bit more loose and, and colorful and fun. Uh, so come, come watch that. I'm really excited for that indie game out of Australia. We're kind of like, kind of like getting into going, just sort of jumping into, I think a lot of people have just sort of gotten excited about it because it's a really cool setting. And then Steven, what's Tuesday, man? Hey, that's me. I'm Steven. Um, first let me echo what Jeff said, Aaron, it's been a great campaign. I'm a huge Howard fan and you've really done a great job with Hyperborea capturing the setting and the tone, the pacing. It's been great. It's been a roller coaster. 10 minutes ago, I was ready to thank you for not killing my character. Um, but, you know, times have changed quick. So, <laughs> Once again, I laid it out for you. <laughs> I mean, no, no. There was no ambiguity. <laughs> did Joyce Aaron kill your made. character or did Ashley kill your character? Because I think it was Ashley. Ashley. I'll, I'll join you. determined in chat. No, we determined he's blaming me for the consequences of his own choices. <laughs> I even had a go joke trying ready. to save this village. We would have, I think, we would have all been true. kings and everyone would have been rich and happy. I even I had a joke ready that Aaron's killed me more as a player than a GM, but you know, now we balance <laughs> that out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't uh, worry. Next, so time, next time we play together, I'll kill you just to get Damn one it. up again. It could have been another. Uh, another. Sounds good. Right in the air. Tooth in the air uh, this time. Tuesday, we are playing Marvel Multiverse RPG. We've already had one session of it, so if you haven't seen that, go check out the YouTube. Uh, They played some established X-Men. This session, we'll be meeting our new uh, breakfast club of X-Men, a bunch of teenagers uh, in high school, and we're going to see how they do. Uh, They're in quite a pickle, so we'll see if they can get themselves out of it. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it, especially the breakfast club part. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. And then next Thursday, we're back to Werewolf. Uh, The Apocalypse uh, ended our first arc onto the second arc. So uh, you can see Aaron and Melissa in that game. And next Friday, we'll be doing Delta Green, uh, continuing our uh, what lies we uh, what lies we tell. Uh, Let's see. And that actually might be the end of that arc, too. It's it's getting close. It it could be. It could be. But we have plenty more arcs to go with Delta Green. It's not stopping. Uh, Other than that, uh, hopefully uh, you uh, you have followed the channel. You have uh, subscribed, whatever what it is you're supposed to do. Do it. Uh, Thank you to everyone who gave us a follow and such. Got us over a thousand. Uh, Makes me feel as though I have accomplished something in my life uh, for the first time. So it's uh, it's very exciting. So let's let's get to 2K. Let's go. Uh, Other than that, let's go ahead and rate our buddies over at Defenders of Cobalt. They're playing Anvia, uh, the game that our our buddy Joe, who's going to be in that Fragged Empire, uh, Fragged Empire stream, he's got his own game that he's been testing out. So let's go see what they're doing. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.